And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can find out more about us by going to malkbaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or calling 312-726-1243. Today, we're talking with Travis Wusso, the Vice President for Public Policy and General Counsel for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, who currently manages public policy efforts in Washington, D.C. The Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission is an organization of the Southern Baptist Convention, which exists to promote religious liberty and assist churches with moral and ethical concerns in the public arena. Prior to his current role managing public policy in Washington, D.C., Travis Wusso launched ERLC's first international office located in the Middle East. The ERLC has also been closely monitoring Pastor Andrew Brunson's imprisonment in Turkey and praises God for his recent release, which occurred shortly after this recording. Travis, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you. Okay, uh, Travis. Well, tell me first about uh, launching that office in the, in the Middle East. Did you have to go over and and live there? Yeah. So we we lived in uh, Jerusalem for almost two years. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. My my background as a lawyer is in uh, energy and environmental uh, regulatory work. Uh, I served as a pastor for a couple years. Um, um, in between uh, my private practice and launching that office, but you know, as you can imagine, it was a, it was a pretty steep learning curve. I was I was staring up, but uh, it was a great time. I mean, we we really, I mean, I I really treasure the years that we got to live overseas, and uh, in some ways, I still miss it. Yeah, I would I would love to have uh, had an opportunity to live in in Jerusalem for a year or two. Hey, it's I not too late. Why. <laughs> well, maybe, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it was. I'm I'm sure that was a huge jump uh, to have practiced uh, energy and regulatory law, and now going over to constitutional and um, religious liberty law. What's the mission and purpose of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission? Sure. So we we serve the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention in two ways. So we speak to our churches about the pressing issues of the day. I'm actually um, in Dallas for our national conference, which is on family and and parenting, which is an example of this, uh, raising and surfacing uh, issues that pastors need to be thinking about and concerned about. That's kind of the ethics piece of what we do. Uh, We also speak what we would say is from the churches of the convention, advocating uh, for the issues that Southern Baptists care about uh, before all branches of the U.S. government and, and internationally as well. How, how does the commission decide what those issues are and, and what side to take, I guess, is my question. Yeah, it's a great question. Our, our, 
our agenda is formed uh, by uh, the messengers uh, of, from Southern Baptist churches to the annual meeting every summer. So every summer, uh, Southern Baptists gather, the, gather together and we do uh, you know, some business related to our entities, but substantively in terms of policy, we pass a series of resolutions, some, usually around 10 uh, resolutions per summer that cover a range of issues from pro-life issues. This last summer, uh, we talked about sexual abuse. We passed a resolution on immigration, uh, passed a resolution on religious freedom. So those, those resolutions and the, the body of those resolutions form kind of the contours of our work. Sometimes they're more specific, sometimes they're less specific, but they help shape our agenda and inform us on what Southern Baptists are concerned about and and also, you know, shape the way that we think about and advocate uh, on behalf of those issues. So you're not really out there kind of um, uh, f- freelancing. You really have a, an agenda which is set by the church as a whole. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're, we, we try to shoot from the hip as little as possible. <laughs> so why do, why do ethics and religious liberty go hand in hand? Well, I mean, one, one way we sum up our mission is, is that we help Christians apply the gospel to everyday life. So we need to know how God was ha- would have us live. That's the ethics piece. Uh, but we also have, need to have the space and the freedom to live out our faith. That's the religious liberty piece. So we, you know, we do, you know, we work on issues beyond just religious liberty. I mentioned, you know, pro-life. We also work on issues related to the family, issues related to justice. Um, but those two, uh, those two themes, ethics and religious liberty, kind of sum up all of our work. Good. Uh, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of the law firm of Malkin Baker. Today, Travis Wusso of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission is with us to discuss public policy and its impact on religious freedom. Uh, what actually is the role of public policy in defending religious liberty, uh, both here and overseas? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we, you know, the way that we think about that is, you know, the, I mean, the public policy of our, of our government is the sum of all of the statutes that have been passed by the legislature, as well as the way that those statutes have been implemented by the administrative branch and interpreted by the judicial branch. Um, and so what we're concerned about in terms of religious liberty work is making sure that uh, the laws that are passed uh, provide space for people of all faiths or none to, to live out their faith uh, in a manner that accords with their conscience, that we're ensuring that the administrative branch that, that uh, administers those statutes and, and, and expands upon them uh, does so in a similar way. And we also are active in the courts. Uh, before the Supreme Court and before the circuit courts uh, in raising the profile of cases that we think uh, deserve national attention, but, but also to raise uh, particular issues when, when our uh, Baptist theology, with our, our Baptist history uh, comes to bear, you know, specifically on, you know, on a case. So, you know, one example of that is, is you know, Baronel Stutzman, who is the florist uh, in Washington State. She's a Southern Baptist. And so, you know, we've been involved in her case. Um, you know, virtually at every level, uh, supporting the law firm that that's uh, that is representing her, and, and also helping to raise the profile for case. I I just saw that uh, the English, um, I'm not sure whether it was the highest court in England, but issued a ruling in favor of a baker 
uh, who didn't want to uh, bake a cake for a same-sex wedding. So that's even in England. Uh, are, are there any particular policies that we are fighting, that, that you are fighting for uh, right now? Yeah, I mean, the, the, our top priority uh, religious liberty issue that we're working on right now is a bill called the Child Welfare Provider Inclusion Act. And what, what the Inclusion Act uh, would do is, is basically ensure that faith-based uh, child welfare agencies operating in any state have the freedom to operate in a manner consistent with their religious beliefs and their religious tenets in terms of how they go about their work, the families that they serve, uh, and so on. And, you know, the focus for that legislation and, and the reason why, you know, you know, well, I, I guess what I'd say is there, there's really two reasons why we come, why we've come to this issue. The first is that, you know, as we've seen in, in several places around the country, most recently in Philadelphia, uh, faith-based uh, adoption and foster care agencies um, are under threat from government mandated litmus tests in terms of how they, uh, how they can operate. But the second is that, um, the, 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 the miracle of adoption, the theology of adoption is very core to my boss, Russell Moore's, uh, ministry. It's, and, and that's baked deeply into our ethos as an organization. So, you know, anything that we can do to make sure that there are more families, not less available for an already overcrowded foster system, um, and for the tens of thousands of, of kids living all over the world who are in need of a, of a healthy and stable home can actually find that home, uh, something that we support. And so, you know, fundamentally what the Inclusion Act does is, is it ensures that there's a diversity of types of child welfare agencies and that those agencies are able to pull as many families uh, into the child welfare space as possible. Yeah, and, and it's not just Philadelphia. I know um, uh, the Attorney General here in Illinois uh, is uh, yeah, doing right. the very same thing, and it's happening really all around the country, uh, restricting yeah, these religious-oriented exactly right. uh, adoption agencies uh, from from right. serving not not only I mean, not only just from getting government money, but from serving at all. And that's really no, that's a, exactly a shame. Right. Yeah, and and how do you work in D.C.? How, what's what's the process? You are you lobbyists? Is that is that how you describe yourself? Oh, uh, we we wouldn't describe ourselves as lobbyists. We we uh, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know word. anybody I know, who's I know. yeah I don't know anybody who's super eager to describe themselves uh, with that term these days. But no, I mean you know this is this is a city that runs on relationships, and you know so so we we approach our work in that same way, trying to build trust with people and try to broaden the base um, of people who care about and who are sympathetic to our issues, even if there's little things within that that we disagree about, you know, we, we think it's best for our issues to be bipartisan. We think that it's best for, uh, for, uh, for both, you know, for members of both parties and for people from a broad range of perspectives, uh, to be sympathetic to the things that Southern Baptists care about. And, and, uh, when you say broad, broad, uh, perspectives, that might include conservative uh, religious denominations, Lutherans, and and others who who would support the same things. Oh, okay, cool. nothing gets done in DC without without a broad coalition. Yep. Coming up, we'll be talking further with Travis Russo about the importance of public policy in defending religious liberty. This is Whit Brisky, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Travis Wusso of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission about current religious freedom issues. We're now going to turn uh, more toward the international issues. And Travis, what are the, the most pressing issues of religious liberty uh, internationally today? Well, the, I mean, there, I mean, unfortunately in the, the years that I've been working on religious liberty, I mean, it, it, it really does seem like everything is moving, uh, in, in the wrong direction. Um, you know, the, the sort of brightest burning fire right now, I would say is in China. I mean, we're, we are seeing some of the worst persecution of people of certain of Christians, but people of all faiths, uh, really since the cultural revolution. Uh, it is, it is just shocking I mean, to speak what's happening with Christians. Uh, the uh, churches are being demolished, crosses are being taken down from churches, and these are the three self-patriotic movement churches. The state-sanctioned churches are now being uh, are now being demolished. We've I've seen videos of of uh, Bibles being burned, collected and burned. Um, I've seen photographs of uh, of documents that people are being forced to sign, recanting their faith, or you lose you know, all public benefits and, and your job and everything, which, you know, in a communistic society is everything. It's not like you can just go get a different job. Once, once the, once the party is throwing you out in the street, that's, that's it for you. So they're, you know, they're really bringing, um, all of the power of the state to bear, um, on the consciences of believers. And President Xi, you know, signaled that he was moving in this direction. I think, you know, China watchers for the last couple of years have been hoping that it wouldn't get so dire. Um, but in 2016, he announced a program of what he called sinicization of religion in China, which, which by, by which he meant that if religion was going to be practiced in China, then it needed to conform, uh, to, uh, to the, the communist way of thinking, uh, and the Chinese way, uh, of thinking. So, you know, it, it places the state above everything else, including religion, which obviously we, as Christians know is upside down, but it isn't just Christians. The, the Uyghur uh, Muslims uh, in the Western part of the country are facing unbelievable pressure. They've been rounded up and put in concentration camps, uh, really sophisticated facial and uh, iris scanning technology has been deployed all around that part of the country in order to track people. Um, students studying abroad have been lured back to China under false pretenses in order to be placed in concentration camps. It, it is, it is um, the pace at which repression is is uh, is increasing in China is is really is really unbelievable, and I think uh, you know all of us you know who care about religious liberty need to need to keep our eyes on China in the, in the coming months and years. Mm-hmm. And what can we do? What can you do um, to help Christians in China? Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, I, you know, so the, the way that we're approaching this is making sure that the State Department and members of Congress and the House and Senate who, uh, you know, who sit on relevant committees, Senate Foreign Relations, uh, House Foreign Affairs, know that Christians care about what's happening in China. Um, and, and I think our government needs to hear uh, people of faith demanding that our 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 country cared not just about our economic relationship with China, but that we use the leverage that we have, not, you know, again, not, not just to get a better trade deal uh, for, you know, for Americans, which is important, but that we also use that leverage to, uh, to ensure that American values 
um, are uh, are spread not not out of the sense of uh, you know sort of neo imperialism or neo colonialism, but because we actually believe that that's what's good for people. Uh, Vice President Pence uh, gave a speech that really laid out a lot of the disputes, which were way broader than the economic issues uh, that we have with right. China. So, um, and uh, now we have uh, an ally of ours, Turkey, who is uh, imprisoning a pastor um, for apparently their claim is that he participated in a an attempted coup against the government. And uh, that's uh, Pastor Brunson. And, and is your organization involved with that case? Yeah, well, we, we certainly have been involved with uh, speaking to our government on his behalf. And we, we don't represent Pastor Brunson uh, directly, but we, we've been a part of a, of a coalition supporting Pastor Brunson, uh, certainly since his case was public and, and behind the scenes before uh, before his case, uh, you know, really became public and broke out into the international space. But yes, it's very troubling what's happening to him as well. Is there anything we can do to help Pastor Brunson, both the government and individuals, uh, American individuals? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this it's, you know, similar to the situation in China. I mean, I think what, what we have to recognize is that in a situation with Pastor Brunson or the situation with the Uyghurs, uh, or, or our brothers and sisters in Christ in China, all politics is local. You know, so President Erdogan of, of Turkey, he doesn't necessarily care what you and I think about how his government should be run. He's not accountable to us, but to his own voters. And so what, you know, so part of, you know, part of what we need to do is, is to continue to build uh, the kind of international pressure that spills over into his domestic situation. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we need, you know, what, what Pastor Brunson needs really is three things. The first, the first is prayer because he needs a miracle. I mean, you, yes. your, your listeners may know that, that Pastor Brunson, uh, was recently moved out of prison and is now in house arrest. It means that he's able to get better care. He's, he's getting better nourishment, uh, is getting some of the medical treatment that he needed. But I mean, but frankly, he's in much greater risk now, um, of a flash mob or, uh, or, or something like that springing up at his house. We need to pray that the Turkish government continues to protect him. Um, the second is that, you know, now that, now that this case has broken out into the open and, and has become a, a pressure campaign, our government needs to hear from us that we haven't forgot about Pre Pastor Brunson, uh, that we, and, and that we're demanding that our government do, uh, do what they can, uh, to get him released. And, you know, then the last I think is, you know, with an honor-shame sort of culture like Turkey, you know, President Erdogan needs a way to be able to release uh, Pastor Brunson in a way that enables him to save face. And, you know, again, I mean, that's, you know, given how locked up things are right now, it's going to take another miracle. But, you know, I think those are, you know, that's something that we can pray specifically for, is that, you know, is that the, the, the geopolitical dynamics would change in a way that the, that the people who are doing quiet diplomacy on, on his behalf would would be creative and would find ways that, that we can both, both us and Turkey extract ourselves from the situation, uh, with, with everybody's, uh, you know, sort of uh, dignity intact. You're listening to lawyers for Jesus radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker. We're speaking with Travis Wusso of the ethics and religious Liberty commission. And, uh, we're getting toward the end of our segment, but there are a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, there are many nations, uh, as you've mentioned, where people of faith are continually being persecuted. 
Uh, is it a bigger deal to us when American citizens are in, involved in victims of the persecution overseas than if it's just foreigners, I guess, uh, is the question. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the, the sad reality is that it is. Um, you know, and, and I think we, we should acknowledge that there is a sense in which we, as, we are called as Christians to care specifically for the household of faith. It is true that when one part of the body suffers, the entire body suffers. And so when we see our brothers and sisters in Christ um, at any, any place in the world, whether that's China or Turkey or North Korea or Malaysia, uh, that we, we would feel some pain. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think, I think that we need to be committed to fighting for religious freedom for people of all faiths or no faith at all, because religious freedom, as, as we know, is an inalienable right that's, that's been given to every human being, regardless of their creed. It's been given to them by God. It can't be taken away by government. That's that's right, and uh, as I've as I've said, our a lot of large part of our practice is protecting re religious liberty, and so I'm prepared to represent Muslims or Hindus because liberty for one is liberty for all, and you can't deny it that's to exactly one right. without denying it to all. Um, that's right. So, um, what what does the Bible say uh, about? I know we're two lawyers talking, but what does the Bible say? about handling threats to our religious faith? Well, I mean, first the Bible tells us that we should expect uh, persecution. Um, our fathers Amen. in the faith certainly experience dramatic persecution. Um, um, you know, all of the apostles, uh, you know, face these kinds of pressure, and, you know, this is the foundation that our, our faith is built on. Um, and second, Paul tells us that we should actually rejoice when we face persecution, because as he put it, God has seen, uh, seen it fit to allow us to suffer in the same manner um, as our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and that there is an honor um, in that. John talks in Revelation about the special uh, privileged place uh, that martyrs in the faith have, um, have in the kingdom of heaven. But I guess when we get there, we'll be able to sort out and understand what exactly that looks like. But you know, I think there are nowhere in the Bible does, it tell, does, does the Bible tell us to seek out persecution. And I think, you know, Paul provides us another example. But even when he is facing persecution for his beliefs, he still defends himself and asserts his right, his rights as a Roman citizen um, and, and, and stands on his rights even up until the very end um, as best as he can. Um, but, you know, going back to the first point, I, I, we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah. Because it isn't, you know, it isn't against, you know, rulers um, of this earth that we are concerned, but rather the rulers of the air. Uh, and thank you, Travis. You know, thank you. Yeah, we've 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 reached the end. We we should do this again, uh, but uh, we've reached the end of our time. If you have a legal need or question, and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at three one two. 726-1243 that's 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com m-a-u-c-k-b-a-k-e-r dot com gonna have to serve somebody yes indeed you're gonna have to serve somebody